Welcome to Conlangery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm William Annis, and George is in China. So it's just me doing a short topic. If I'd had a little more time this month, I would have liked to have pulled off a full episode, but instead today we're going to talk about Palikur, a language from the Amazon basin. Um, and what's interesting about it is that it has so many kinds of noun classification. So in the show, we've talked about different systems of noun classification before. We've talked about gender probably several times. Um, I don't think we've talked about noun classes, which maybe we ought to. Um, numeral classifiers, Chinese studying folks tend to call them uh, measure words. We've talked about those. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about indirect possession a lot. This happens in um, languages, Austronesian languages. Fijian, for example, is sort of classic where you have... Uh, certain kinds of possession are marked for the purpose of the thing being possessed. So um, the most common distinction is everything else versus things that are edible. Um, some languages distinguish eatable from drinkable, um, and then a, a small number of languages go wild and split things up a lot more than that. Verbs can classify nouns. Um, typically in that case, you get not only the normal verb argument marking, subject marking, object marking, whatever, but some feature of the, either the subject or the object, depending on the verb type, is also marked on the verb. Um, and finally, there are locative classifiers, which is pretty unusual, um, and we'll go into a little bit more detail about that, because Polycore is one of these languages that has that. So, as recently as the early 80s, it was thought that you could not have a language which had both gender and some other robust noun classification system. We now know this is false. So, let's just go down through the list of possibilities. So, starting off, Palikur has a gender system, masculine, feminine, neuter. It is not marked on nouns. Instead, it shows up on adjectives. Um, both modifying and as uh, predicates, um, and some demonstratives as well. Um, gender assignment is a little bit more predictable uh, in Polycore than in some languages. It's a mix of semantics um, and phonetics. Um, in addition to adjectives, having the normal three-way full agreement, as well as some verb morphology. There are other kinds of verb morphology that um, group masculine and neuter together um, with a different form for the feminine. So, in addition to having multiple kinds of noun class, um, they behave differently in different circumstances, and sometimes they're fully marked, sometimes they're not fully marked. Um, one thing we're going to see through Polycore a lot is that the semantic animacy that is not according to any gender system, but really and truly is the thing animate or inanimate, regardless of its gender, will also determine some behavior in some parts of the language. So, gender should be familiar to most of us, so I'm not going to go into too much more detail about that. The next thing that it has is obligatory numeral classifiers. These are the measure words for those of us who've studied Chinese, and these are pretty interesting. So we're used to languages such as Chinese, because George and I and Mike all know it, where any sort of count or quantifier like all or every, uh, a few, all of those sorts of words, regardless of their value, their numerical value, 
um, will require a classifier. In some languages, the numeral classifiers really only occur with low-valued numbers, and it might just be only with 1 and 2, or uh, 1 through 10 as a, a common pattern. In the case of Polycour, 1 and 2 have a separate behavior in that gender and the numeral classifier must be marked on all animate nouns. So you have a double marking there, and that was a thing that as recently as the 80s we thought would not happen. And in addition to that, then you have a bunch of other classifiers, and you can look at page 445 of the paper I'm going to be linking to for all of them, where some classifiers are only used with one, some are used with one and two, um, and some are used um, with one through ten. Um, and a few of the ones that are required through one through ten have different forms of the classifier for one and two or one versus the rest of them. So even though you're only requiring classifiers for numbers from one to ten, um, it's a pretty rich system um, just with that. Uh, and like so many numeral classifiers in the world, the distinction between which word gets what classifier is based on dimension, shape, and consistency. Um, and they also have some uh, classifiers having to do with grouping of things, which I'm going to let you read the paper to get the details on. This is just normal for these sorts of systems. So the numeral classifiers were obligatory. The verbal classifiers are not. So for these, the pattern is ergative, basically. With stative verbs, what we would consider adjectives a lot of the time, the class agreement on the verb refers to the subject, and with transitive verbs, the class agreement refers to the object. And this is a very common um, ergative pattern for those languages that have verb classifiers, completely normal. Verb classifiers are not obligatory. There's some interesting semantics about when they're used or not used, which, again, I'm going to not go into here. I'm going to leave that for you to look at the paper on if you're interested. But in general, it's more likely it's most used on verbs that imply direct physical contact. Um, grab, wash, shoot, carry. Um, but also on telic verbs. So look, yes, but not um, perception verbs like see or hear. Once again, the classification system is based on shape. Um, normal for classifiers of all kinds. Um, but there are a few things that fit into the uh, classifier slot, which um, refer to parts of objects. So a classifier for side, inside, edge, uh, and so forth. Um, and there's some interesting Interesting stuff about body part noun incorporation, which fills in the same slot as well. And there's a great huge discussion on that, but that's not our topic today. So I'm just going to walk over that topic and people who are interested can go look. The next kind of classifier that I want to talk about is possessive classifiers. These classify the noun when it's being possessed. This is a little bit different from the Austronesian indirect possession, which is also a kind of classification, but that typically classifies the object according to a purpose um, of the possessor. Um, for some reason, um, Eichenwald, who wrote this paper but has also written a nice long book about different kinds of noun classification schemes, um, for whatever reason, considered these a little bit separate. 
I'm not entirely sure why, but I will, I'm happy to, to follow her in believing that there's some sort of reason for this. So possessive classifiers only occur on aliable possession and, um, are simply attached to the possessive pronoun. Pretty simple, not hugely common in the world, but not uh, particularly unusual, which leads us to the last kind, which I just, I haven't had an occasion to use yet, but I want to because it's just interesting. It's also very rare in the world, although I get the impression um, from this paper that it pops up um, a little bit more often in some of these Amazonian languages, and that is locative classifiers. That is a small set of adpositions, in this language, those meaning in and on, take one of 12 classifiers, which, as usual with classifiers, encode shape, consistency, and then it has two quite specific ones, that one that encodes water and the other one that encodes a road or a river. And so if you say something is on my arm versus it is on the table, the on part will get different marking uh, depending on where it's going. And with these, the head noun can be left off, which is sort of interesting. So what you have is an interesting kind of, I don't know, and they're not really pronouns, but it gives you an opportunity to use just the adposition plus the classifier, and you can just drop the noun off. So yeah, that's just sort of interesting that you can uh, can do that. As I said, 12 of these, shape, consistency, these are the, the, the usual things. And what's interesting in this language then is you can get, um, and I really recommend looking at the paper because there are a, a good number of examples. So you can say things like the crow is sitting on a cord and you will have multiple kinds of classifier agreement going on. So on a cord, so you need to classify on shape, so on suffix for that. But it's on one chord, so you have the numeral one, which is encoding a different linear marker um, for shape for the chord. So you can get quite a pileup of classification going on, um, which I think is really interesting in juggling just how much of that you might want to use in a conlang without producing truly enormous noun phrases anytime you wanted to say anything um, even remotely complex. So that is all I have to say about Polycour. It's interesting. I'll have a link to the paper. I strongly recommend you read it, both because it's a good education on just different kinds of noun classification schemes in general. Um, it's a good paper to talk about all of this stuff. Um, but then also do take a look and see how just this language um, does things. Uh, in a few places, she has references to other languages in some detail, sometimes charts of different classifiers and stuff. So even though it's a, a reasonably short paper um, compared to her book on the subject, book on the subject um, it's still a, a, a nice, rich education to be had here. So thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash conlangery. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. All of those are conlangery. And if you would like to hear your conlang featured on the top of the show, you can look at our contribute page. It has the instructions for what you need to translate and how to send it to me. 
Con Langry's web space is provided by the Language Creation Society and our music is by Null Device.